friends. Thanks so much for joining us for another episode of the Inner Revolution podcast. Today, we're going to have some dynamic thoughts from diverse speakers with a biblical viewpoint. Feel free to stick around and prepare to be blessed. All right, wonderful. If you want to turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12, and I want to talk about perspective in a trial, and these are unprecedented days, and these are days where Uh, You know, it feels like we're in biblical prophecy, and we are, uh, but just to see things unfold so quickly and how, uh, you know, what a day will make, how a day can change uh, so quickly. And I feel like we're in the book of Revelations and the pages there with you. But how do we stay uh, effective in these last days when information's coming at us and can easily overwhelm us if we... uh, have that be our only perspective. Well, we see here in 1 Peter chapter 4, 10 through 12 are some amazing verses. Verse 10 in particular, we see that there's the manifold sides of grace, that word poikilos, which means God is showing us different sides of who he is at different seasons, at different times, uh, different environments. We will discover something new about who God is and we'll understand what he's doing because we're understanding who he is in a fresh, personal way. And this is why it's, it's so interesting in context of verse 12. It says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing has happened to you, but rejoice insomuch as you are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when the glory shall be revealed, you may be uh, glad also with exceeding joy. Key, key statement here with, with these verses. Do not think it's strange. You know, looking at our, our world today, and it's something that we've been hearing for years, and our prayer that through this uh, pandemic that revival will birth in a fresh way in our nation, in our, in our cities, of course, all around the world, that people will be brought to a new understanding of their faith, the value of their faith. But do not think it's strange. Do not think it's odd uh, because God has prepared you for this time. God has prepared you. He's given you and I what we need to be effective believers with a divine perspective. Then it says a very, something very interesting. It says, but rejoice. <laughs> rejoice. Now, I'm sure you've experienced this just as I as we're talking with people and just interacting uh, with people. People are very stressed and here the writer is saying rejoice. You know, that's not something we would manufacture or, or try to fake it till you, you know, fake it till you make it kind of thing. But instead, it's letting God's perspective be the joy and rejoicing of your heart. We see that in Jeremiah 15:16 that as we take in the word, it's the word that produces the joy. It's the word that produces the perspective. It's the word that produces the wisdom. It's the word that produces worship. It's the word that produces a divine perspective. Because our perspective is, is key here because we can be subjective or objective in our perspective. Well, I love this. It's saying rejoice in so much as you are a partaker of Christ's sufferings. Now, that's not to diminish uh, a physical issue, a financial issue, a social issue, uh, in our, a health issue, uh, which pain can be very much, an, it can eclipse our natural thinking. 
But God is saying, I want you to remember and have the perspective that Christ went before you in your suffering and that he is our ultimate provision. He will carry us through and give us all we need to suffer well and to be encouraged with a divine perspective. And then I love the statement that when the glory shall be revealed, that's an amazing promise today, that the glory of God will be revealed in this trial. The glory of God will be revealed in your challenge. The glory of God in you, the hope of glory in Colossians chapter 1, will be revealed in a demonstration to those around you in a practical way, in a personal way, and will be a witness of an invisible God made visible through your life, through your confession, through your and my actions, that our language would reflect the glory of God. And when it doesn't, when there's failure, when there's a stumbling, we can respond immediately and say, God, I'm down, but you're the lifter of my head in Psalm 3.3. Well, I want to think about three things that we discover in a trial. And I love this before we go there in Job 23.10. Job was saying, Lord, you know the way that I take. Isn't that good? God knows exactly where you are today. God knows, I spoke with someone yesterday, the waves of fear, the waves of hope. God knows the echo of doubt, and God knows the triumphant declaration of truth. God knows our frame is but dust, and he still loves and cares and understands us. Lord, you know, you have experienced the way that I take. And when you've tried me, and this is a season of trying for sure, and just like precious gold or, or uh, silver, in the heat, the dross is brought to the top and it's purified in the furnace of affliction. So today, just like the Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were not alone. The fourth man in the fire was there, Jesus Christ. And the only thing that burned in that furnace was what was holding them back. So just to encourage us today, uh, as we are walking through this valley, this furnace, glory is going to be revealed. There's a new side of grace that we will see. There is a new dimension and a new understanding that God is adding to us. It's true. It's true. And on the other end of this, we will be more appreciative and in a lot of ways much more thankful. Why? Because we're bearing ab about the, the Lord Jesus Christ in our mortal body. And then it says that ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. There it is again. God is producing the action of joy. We may not like what's going on. It's a fearful, uncertain, and disorienting day. But one thing that is not disoriented, one thing that is not uncertain, one thing that is not moving is the truth of who God is in our life. Now think about that, the anchor in our life in Hebrews 6.19, the anchor of our soul. What does an anchor do? An anchor connects something movable to something that's immovable. So as a ship tosses their anchor and digs into the ocean floor, we are now kept in place. We are no longer adrift. We are now uh, in the place that we're supposed to be. And even though the waves and the winds blow, the anchor holds. The anchor holds. Your anchor, Jesus Christ in you, the anchor holds. 
and uh, we are connected to something immovable. Well, I want to develop this briefly with you here. Um, when in Proverbs 24:10 says that if we shrink back in the day of adversity, our strength is small. Now, what that means is if we retreat, we understand that we're living in our own strength. But in, he, in Ephesians 6.10, if we're standing in the power of His might, we will stand. We will stand in grace. We'll stand in truth. We'll stand in faith. And this is a work of the Holy Spirit. Well, I'd like us to think about three things that will keep our heart from melting. It's an interesting word there in Deuteronomy 20, verse 8. The heart can melt. We can be overwhelmed, and the heat, instead of purifying us, it can diminish us. And that's not the plan of God today, is that we would be diminished, uh, but instead that we would be humbled before Him, resting and looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Isn't that good? Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, He is the author and finisher of our faith, and with that focus, our focus will then guide us and teach us something fresh in a trial. Now, something that's interesting in trials is oftentimes there are many uncontrollable things. There, it's a mystery to think that we can control anything, really. But in a trial, that atmosphere, that environment is uh, amplified. The lack of control, the feeling of loss, the the idea that somehow there's going to be, uh, there is danger, and that is all true. But our perspective must be based in what Jesus has said. And so the first thing, there are three things I want to talk about briefly. First thing that changes in a trial is what we know about God. What we know about God. So this is important because we can have a psychological understanding of who God is. We can have a theological understanding of God. We can even have a religious understanding about God. But when we go through a trial, have you noticed that the frills go away? The, the unnecessary chatter goes away. The, the frivolous uh, preferences are diminished. And it's like all of a sudden, it's like it's just me and God. It's you and God. And God is like, I have been trying, if we could say, if God could try, but God has been wanting that encounter with us every day, every minute of the day. And so a trial helps facilitate this, where it shows us something new about who God is. Instead of a melting heart, we have a praying heart in Luke 11, 1 and Luke 11, 8 and Luke 11, 18, that when we pray, we faint not. We do not have a melting heart. We do not become a pool of ooze on the floor and uh, not able to collect ourselves. What we know about God changes. What we know about God changes. And it becomes something personal. It becomes something powerful. It, it's a grounder. It becomes something that anchors us in place and gives us an amazing perspective, an amazing attitude, and gives us hope. Hope. You know, hope is an expectation that God is moving, that God has a greater plan. It's hope is wrapped up in a mystery that He is in control and that we are part of the glory that it will be revealed. So think it not strange. Don't be like, oh my goodness, what is this all about? Lord, where are you? Do you care? Do you, do you even understand where I'm going? 
coming from. In, in, in Psalm 142, David was disoriented in his trial, and then he oriented himself and related himself to truth, and he understood the purpose of why he was going through what he was going through. Because remember, we go through trials for the Word's sake. We go through the trial for Jesus' sake. We go through a trial for others, and we are God's great reflector. We reflect His glory or receive His glory, and it's projected out to others so that there's hope. We speak hope and truth, and we strengthen the, uh, the feeble knees and the weak hands in Isaiah 35, 3. We speak strength and say, do not fear. Certainly, uh, there are moments where we're discouraged and disoriented, yes, but we are rebounding. Why? Because our perspective, our focus, our uplook changes our outlook. And our uplook changes our inlook so that our outlook, our language, our, the way that we interpret things is based in who God is. Secondly, what we know about ourselves changes. You know, it's interesting, you know, we can boast and say, oh, I would never do that, or I would never say that, or I would never be caught doing this, that, or the other. You know, we don't know, actually. We learn our limitations. We learn our strengths, our weaknesses. We learn that we are capable of anything, actually. Uh, but for the grace of God, there goeth I, in whatever scenario that we could think of today. What we know about ourselves is really important because self-reliance is dangerous. If we rely on ourselves only, it is dangerous. But as we're radically relying on the Lord, interdependent, not independent, but interdependent on the Lord, what happens? The promises become our perspective. They become our lens. And instead of relying on ourselves or our experience or our past or what we see, what we understand, our critical knowledge, all these things which are helpful, but instead our hope is in the truth of God. And thirdly, what we understand of what God has said changes. So three things change. What I know about God, what we know about ourselves, and what we know about what He has said. And this is, this is a big one because the words of God, these eternal truths, they keep us from being weary. You know, remember... Uh, Daniel 7.25, one of the devil's objectives is to uh, wear out the saints, to have us look at so many things, take in so much information so that it's an overload, that it strips us down, that it weakens us, and it, de it uh, desensitizes us and even uh, immobilizes us. So what God has said becomes our armor in Romans 13.12. What God has said becomes our perspective and becomes what defines what we see. Because remember in Isaiah 11:3, Jesus did not interpret things based on what he saw or what he heard. He relied totally on the Father. Why was this? It's because he did not trust in man because he knew what was in man. So that's an important point as we are wise as serpents but harmless as a dove. Well, I'd like us to look at Jeremiah 12, for instance. There's an interesting verse. Uh, this was recently shared with me, and it was very interesting because I think it relates to what we're saying today. So our perspective, Lord, I want to have a divine perspective. I want to have 
uh, an understanding that on the other end of this, not, not only the destination, but the journey is designed for me to know you in Philippians 3.10. Not only for me to know you, but to experience you, to develop my prayer life, in a, not in based on appreciation, but based on necessity, based on a critical element, an essential part of our lives. Well, here's an interesting question, Jeremiah 12, 15, that I'd like to share with you. And uh, maybe you've seen this verse before. Um, I hope this is the right verse. And it, uh, it is not the right verse. Okay. <laughs> All right. It talks about this uh, in the verse that I'm looking for. Uh, was, will you be wearied by the footman... Is the, is the footman, who's speaking this to Judah and the warriors, are you worn out by the footman and you're not ready to handle the horsemen? Boy, I wish I could find that. That's such an interesting verse because it talks about we can be wearied by the wrong things. The, the small, the, the, the foxes can spoil the vine where uh, the little things begin to stack up and begin to wear us down. It's like that constant drip of water uh, that becomes an irritant and that things get under our skin. Uh, maybe you're home a lot now and you have kids or you're juggling work from home or juggling uh, on online schooling and, and you're trying to just map out a new routine. Uh, little things can become big things. The, 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 the small molehill can become a mountain. And this is what the writer here in Jeremiah 12 is saying. Are you wearied by the footman, the smaller issue, rather than the horseman, which is the major advancing issue of, a, of, a, of, a, uh, of an army? You know, one writer says that we're so consumed with the mice running around that we forget the lions that are devouring our land. You know, this can happen so easily. We get consumed with the small thing, uh, maybe winning an argument, maybe it's being right, maybe it's getting my way. These things can weary us or, or uh, wear us down. And God is saying, you know, if you shrink back in 2410 of Proverbs, it's because you and I are relying on the wrong strength. Well, God's strength is perfect. We go from strength to strength in Psalm 84, 7. And we certainly have to address the small things, those, those uh, footmen. But our energy, our expectation, our strength, our advancement, our active listening, our words, our language, our decisions must be based on what's advancing to us. And uh, just as we've heard over these many months that as we're looking to Jesus first, we do that first and then we look at our storm. If we look at our storm first, we'll be worn out and overwhelmed. But we look at Jesus who is standing between you and I in our storm and we have hope. And he's in our boat and he is sleeping. <laughs> Believe it or not, he's so much in rest because he knows that his Father is in control. So what's wearying you today? Identify it. Is it the news? Is it the potential uh, loss and uncertainty and disorientation of maybe job, future, 
bills, uh, mortgages. Yes, all of these things are real life issues. They are, and they're important issues. This is why we need to have God's perspective because God will get us through. He'll get you through. In Psalm 107, 30, He will get you through to your desired place or His desired place for you. So just to encourage us today, what is wearying you? If, if my hope is in something other than what God has said. And I'll just say this, that familiarity is a real issue in all of our lives where we get used to a certain routine, we get used to a certain personality, we get used to a certain way, and God says, I must bring a trial in to break up the fallow ground. I must break it up so that seed can go in the dirt so that it's not just a pretty, relaxing, quaint prairie, but it's a fruitful prairie. It's a fruitful place. You know, for the farmers out there, I mean, you can see, um, you know, that you have to break up the ground and turn it over and chop up those clumps of clay and dirt and even add new soil before the seed. Why? Because <clears throat> the seed goes in deep and it spreads out the roots and it, it bears fruit uh, with a plant and uh, that is what we are nourished by. This is why we need trials in our life. We, I wouldn't go on to say that I'm going to pray for a trial uh, or to believe that, you know, Lord, I want more trials, but I want to live in the effect of what the trial produces. So how are we going to make it through this? A divine perspective. Knowing who God is, knowing who I am in that place, and then really hiding in what he says. Job 4, 5 is an interesting verse. Let's turn there for a minute as we close. Job 4, 5. You know, uh, God is bringing us deeper, isn't he? God is bringing us deeper. He's shepherding us in Psalm 23. You know, really, I think the quicker that we're able to let go and let God work in us is to the measure we're going to experience God in our, in our trial. Because if we're fighting God instead of trusting Him, this trial, or any trial for that matter, will be agonizing. But there is, there is grace in our, in our afflictions. There is. There is. Why? Because glory is being added. Glory is being uh, brought deeper into the dark areas of our soul. Well, Job 4, 5, interesting verse here, says... Uh, thy words, in verse 4, thy words have upholded him that was falling, and thou hast strengthened the feeble knees, but now it's come to me, and you faint, it touches thee, and you are troubled. If not this, thy fear, thy confidence, thy hope, and the uprightness of thy ways. Remember, I pray thee, whoever perishes being innocent. I love this, the speech of Eliphaz. He's saying, you know what? Your words have strengthened him, upholded him, he who was falling, and strengthened the feeble knees. This is a day to have that language of faith, that language of grace, that language of hope, where we may not know everything that's going on, but we know him who holds our future. And as we pray and we faint not, that's the big one, our heart does not melt, or we are quick to rebound and respond to who God is. And whatever is being removed, 
whatever is being uh, somehow or so, in some ways taken from you and I, we have this great hope that whatever's being removed is making room for something better. This is what we know about what God says, is that what he says will last forever. What he says is absolute. What he says will never be diminished. It will always come to pass. So what we know about God, what we know about ourselves, and what we know about what he has said is our anchor. And in truth, in this trial, don't count it strange. Don't, don't think, oh, you know, don't take it personal in this sense, like, oh, somehow God is punishing me, or maybe I did something wrong, or, or maybe it's all about judgment, or all about uh, something that is, revolves around me. And, and that's, a, that's a big thing. We, trials can't be taken personally. That's how people get offended. But instead, we, we go higher. We say, okay, Lord, I'm learning something about you. I'm learning something about me. And I'm learning something about what you've said that I can trust you. And say, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain in Colossians 1.21. And though he slay me in Job 13.15, I will trust you. These are radical things that we cannot understand on our own. This is why a trial is for our sake. It's for your sake. It's for the furtherance of the gospel. Because on the other end of this, we'll be deeper. We'll be wiser. We will be more uh, sober. We will be more understanding of what the will of God is. You know, by way of illustration, it's like someone losing a loved one. You know, it's interesting, you know, someone that maybe hasn't lost a loved one and they try to comfort those that have lost a loved one. Uh, it could be superficial. Maybe people don't really know what to say. And, uh, but when you've lost a loved one, when you have gone through that very deep valley of anguish, God will give you an understanding and identification and a spirit of compassion that he gives in the valleys. He gives in the fourth man in the fire, gives that deliverance God, in, the, in, in this place of great uh, distress, you comfort my soul, Psalm 34. We do not fret in Psalm 37. Why? Because God sees, knows, and understands what we're going through. So this is for our sake, not for, uh, you know, not, not just, a, this is a very good uh, way of perspective today. This is for our sake to know God, to know about ourselves, and to understand deeply the many sides, just like a diamond, you look at a diamond in the light, the many facets, the many angles, the many colors, the many dimensions of what God has said. So we go from the known, maybe one dimension we could say is the known, the tangible, walking by sight, to the uh, experiential dimension. Maybe we know in part, maybe we've experienced a portion of it. And then we even go beyond that, we go into the mystery of faith. That is the third dimension where God is bringing us into the intangible. He's bringing into us into the place where there's no plan B. He's bringing us into the place where there's nothing else but Him. And this is an uncomfortable place, but a very fruitful place, and a place where God will show Himself mighty to you and I. So we go from the, intang we go from the tangible to the intangible. We go from, uh, I'll see it to believe it, to believing it, I now see it in uh, Job 42, uh, 3 and 5. 
Well, God bless you today. My prayer is that these words have encouraged you uh, and be in touch with us. We are uh, here in prayer and believing God with you for uh, to walk with you uh, through these through these great days. And God will give a personal revival in us first, and then in our in our great country and in our great world. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Inner Revolution podcast. Please find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Your feedback is always welcome.